0: Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let's just pray for a second. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing your will into this place this day. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. Lord, we just receive solutions right now. We receive solutions right now. We receive promises into our lives right now. We receive manifestations right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we receive your goodness. We receive your mercy right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We receive your word Today, we receive your word into our lives. It changes us. Lord, it takes us to new places. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Lord, there's things we don't even know that we need, but you know it all. Lord, you've given us even language to pray out the mysteries. Praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. Thank you, Lord. We pray out the mysteries of God. Mando dolo ota feretikana. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for overflowing us today. Thank you for life change. Thank you, Father, for all of your goodness. Thank you, Lord. You're raising us up. You're changing our lives. And the devil had it planned to be a mess, to be a tragedy. But Lord, you're turning it around. You're turning it around in us. The devil had tragedy planned, but you're turning it around in us. In Jesus' name. Right now, you're turning it around. Glory to God. You're turning it around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. What the devil meant for bad. You're going to turn it, and you're going to turn it for great good. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Anybody receive that turnaround? That leveling up? If you receive it, shout amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, I want to give you a couple of things uh, that were, are going to happen. And uh, one of the things is... That uh, this afternoon, as soon as we're done with the service, I'm gonna meet with whoever would like to. Uh, you're welcome to hang around for just a few minutes. We're gonna talk about a couple of things uh, because I've had a lot of questions along these lines. Number one is mask and mask wearing, because um, uh, we're like, I've had multiple people say, Pastor, what should we be thinking about this? And uh, number two uh, is school. Uh, because school obviously, uh, right now at the present, looks different going back into school. And people have wanted to know. Not to mention, uh, the world just looks like it's gone slap crazy. And uh, that's, that's southern for crazy. And really crazy. <laughs> and, um, I mean, the world looks like it's just really gone nuts. And so people don't know what to think about. What, and I know we're, we're asking the same questions about certain things. And uh, so right after the service today, uh, had to take a few minutes with whoever would like to, and uh, we'll basically say bye to whoever, and uh, we'll you know shake everybody's hand that, that's heading out, but just hang out for a few minutes in here. Everybody that's in here, I'll talk to about that. But then also, each Sunday, uh, if we don't have a meeting, generally, uh, the, the whole body is invited to go and let's eat dinner together. Uh, we'll go today to Pancho Villa beside the uh, skating rink, and uh, so anybody that would like to go, you're invited. You're welcome to go with us. We would love to have you go with us. It truly is a family uh, here at Boomerang. It's one of the things I love about it. I love our Boomerang family. I love it. It's awesome. And uh, so... A couple other things that I want to tell you about. Next Sunday after the service, uh, next Sunday after the service, uh, we're going to have a meeting about Impact University for just a couple of minutes for anybody who's interested in attending Impact University this year. Uh, One of the things, I, I opened up my Bible in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Matthew 4 and verse 4, it says... But Jesus answered and he said it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. On every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now over in John chapter 6 Jesus says my word my body is true food. My word is true food and so it's true food. And we're supposed to have life to the full till it overflows, but we won't have it if we don't know the word. Another scripture in Hosea says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Another scripture in Isaiah says, my people are gone into captivity for a lack of understanding. And uh, one of the things that Nicole and I have found when we started the church, we had some assumptions about where the people were at. And uh, we found that society in general... Really has no knowledge of the word they even if they've gone to church all their life, and uh, when we started impact University, yes, uh, look we 're fully accredited, you can get an associates, a bachelor's, a master's, all of that stuff it's awesome it's great, and if the people that have gone to impact Uh, most every single one of them. I don't know anybody that's been like, man, I just didn't like it. No, it's, it changed. Doyle came a few years ago. He was looking for something. He came to impact. And, and then as soon as he came to impact, he went, I'm coming to boomerang too. (laughs) And because I think you were looking for a church. And as soon as you came to impact, you realized it. And, uh, you realized where you're supposed to be and been blessed ever since. There's something special. We'll see a lot of testimonies through people and impact because they gain such a knowledge of the life of the word that they'll grow up. So to me personally, I, I guess papers from man is good. But for me, what's even more important than the paper is knowledge of the word. Because I know if I get knowledge of the word of God, it'll be life to me. And so we're really, we're digging into that word. So if you're interested, uh, and, and this is what I want to tell you, if you're interested in coming to Impact, we are also interested in you being at Impact, Amen. and if you feel led of God, I know I'm supposed to go, but I don't know how, don't worry about the how, just come next week yeah. and let's talk, because we've not had one person that knew that they were called that hasn't been able to come. Yeah, right. Is that right? We've not had one person. We've literally had people stand up and say, I also want to help people get there and get the impact. And help give into that. And so here's one. You know, one of the things is if you're interested in it, next Sunday just hang around after service because as you grow in the Word, you your whole life grows. Yeah. And of course, we're handing out those materials all the time. But there's something about when you apply yourself at a different level, yeah. you receive on a different level, and that's impact. Amen. Yeah. All right, another thing, and I don't know all the details about uh, these. Uh, things, but I know that tomorrow night is the ladies' meeting, is that at Blue Bay at 6 p.m. Ladies' meeting tomorrow night at 6 p.m. There's also another special thing for the ladies if they would like to attend, is next Saturday uh, you have a meeting uh, in Salisbury. And uh, if you, if any ladies would like to go, Nicole was speaking as a special speaker there, and uh, it's going to be good. That's uh, ne- next week. And then... One big, 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 big thing, uh, two big things, Uh, in August, at the end of August 28th, I think it's 28th and 29th, it's a Friday and Saturday, is the ICCF Leadership Conference, Uh, it's like the Lead 20, it's similar to that, if you've been to that, talking about leadership and growing and who in here is called to be a leader. If you're a Christian, you're called to be a leader. But how are you going to be a leader if you don't study to show yourself approved? Uh, one of the things that we found in church when we first started, we, we were preaching the word, and, and uh, we thought, you know, we lift up Jesus, God's going to draw all men to boomerang, and it just seemed great. And we had love, and we were preaching with passion and everything, and it was just not growing. And uh, Yay! And uh, so this is what you want, right? And one of the things we found was we were missing in leadership. And part of the reason was because I didn't want to bring the corporate world and the corporate leadership into a body of Christ. Uh, But what I found was the Lord led me supernaturally to connect with Pastor J.B. Whitfield and Pastor Chris de who had been studying leadership for 20 years in the church and I found they knew a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't know but here's what I found the stuff in corporate leadership that works it was founded in this word first (laughs) that's why it works and so as we grew in that all of a sudden things started changing we were able to do things we couldn't do before and this conference is going to be awesome it's free Uh, And so you can go to ICCF.us, ICCF.us, and you can see about the conference. Uh, Pretty much a lot of our leaders will be going, and I recommend it to everybody. It's going to be great. I know what it's going to be talking about. I know what's going, I'm going to be one of the breakout speakers there as well, and it's going to be awesome. So one, the next big thing, getting these announcements out of the way, Barrett will have some more for you at the end. But, uh, and go over some of the big things, but one of the things is this, next Sunday, Woo-hoo! anybody know what next Sunday is? Yeah. August 2nd. <laughs> August 2nd, that's very good. <laughs> it's very good, very good. Our, we started our service today at 1030. As of next Sunday, it'll never be at 1030 until the Lord change it back, if he changes it back. It's going to be at 10 a.m., amen? Woo-hoo! So we'll start at 10 a.m., starting next, next Sunday. Our corporate prayer time will start at 9.15, or excuse me, 8.15, and will end at 9.15 each Sunday morning. So every Sunday morning, you might not know this, but we have corporate prayer where everybody that's a part of the body is invited to come and pray and pray out the service that day. Listen, prayer, and this is what we're going to be talking about today, prayer has a lot to do with whatever happens. If you're not praying, it's not really going to be happening somebody's praying in order for something to happen somebody's praying and so why do we have good services why is the power why is there healing why is there miracles why are lives changed because we've been praying we've been praying you've got a people that were praying for you before we ever even met you We're praying for you. We're lifting you up in that way. We need to pray. So that'll be at 8.15 to 9.15 next Sunday. From 9.15 to 9.30, we'll have the Bible Academy, kind of like a Sunday school. And uh, the heart of that is to start and take somebody, no matter where they're at, and let's start leveling them up. So that'll be just a few minutes each Sunday morning in the Bible Academy. That'll start next Sunday. And uh, then we'll have our service starting at 10. Amen? Hallelujah. I love announcements. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's my favorite. (sighs) No. Hallelujah. So, we've been talking about, as we jump in today, we've been talking about it's time for an awakening. It's time for an awakening. I think... Maybe we've come to the place where we start to realize that we need to wake up, but maybe we've come to the place that we realize as much as we even know that we need to wake up, we haven't been yet. Even now, we're still working on it. We're still working on waking up. Now, a decision to wake up will start the process. It's kind of like when you make a decision to wake up out of the slumber. All of a sudden, you'll start to hear more noises and you'll, you'll, you'll start to come to yourself in the morning, like when you wake up. But the first thing that has to happen is you have to recognize that you've been asleep. And then once you realize that you've been asleep, you'll start to see and hear. Here's the thing about an awakening an awakening says says this it says you have to recognize you've been asleep and then you start to awake and just like you start to hear more noises and motion and things in the house and you finally pay attention to that alarm clock You know, all of a sudden you start to realize, well, it's just like this in a spiritual awakening. You'll start to realize, you'll start to recognize the symptoms of people being asleep, of the church being asleep, of ourselves being asleep in that. And there's a difference between an awakening and a revival. A revival can breathe fresh life into a body. But an awakening affects a whole area. It affects a city, a a county. It affects a whole state or a country. It can affect the whole world. And so the Lord is very specific in his wording. And you know as well as I do, most of you have heard this. I woke up... uh, early on in this year, and I didn't know the lockdown and all this stuff that's about to happen. I didn't know the craziness that was about to happen. All I knew was there's something that needs to happen. Something's shifting. Something's starting to shake. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Something's shaking. Something's moving. I don't know what it is, but there was this stirring inside of my spirit, and I couldn't put a finger on it, but I knew it was major. Most of the people that were tuned in to the Holy Spirit at all were feeling the same things. I woke up on a Sunday morning getting ready to preach the message and the word of the Lord, I heard it strong in my spirit. It's time for an awakening. Not it's time for a revival, it's time for an awakening. We're talking about changing culture. A revival can change a church An awakening changes culture. The first awakening led to a country, the United States of America, being founded on godly principles. It's what makes America great. It was founded on godly principles. But those godly principles came out of an awakening. The second great awakening led to the place where slavery was abolished in America. That's what the second awakening did. This third awakening that's about to happen right as we speak, we're on it. Have you ever seen such a mess as what you've seen in the last six months? Never in my life. I used to wonder, I used to think, how could we get to that place? I get it. I used to wonder, how can that people take the mark? I was like, how can they get to that place? How can they take the mark of the beast? I get it now. Because, man, I mean, how could they say, no, we're not going to serve you business? I get it now, right now. No mask, no business is what some companies are saying. Yeah. Now, praise God, within a week, some a lot of major com- companies are changing within one week. Praise God. Yeah, hallelujah. yeah. But I used to wonder, how would they say no business if you have no mark? And how would people accept it? Have we not seen the fear of the Lord in people? Have we seen that? No, we really had not But what have we seen? The fear of the world. The fear of the Lord we really hadn't seen. Because if we saw the the fear of the Lord, this place would be packed. You would not be able to get anybody out, I mean, out of the church. They would be so hungry. That's what an awakening does. We're starting to see the, the, the s- small awakening in this church. It's starting to happen. I wouldn't say that we're there yet, but it's starting to happen. Yeah. Just this week, we had people that were hungry to win souls. Yeah. To they God. went out. How many, pe- how many souls? It's like 20 souls just won this week on the streets. 15 in one day. 15 in one day. Mm-hmm. Just because people said, you know what? I got to be a soul winner. That's starting to get a heart for God. And we are a house of love and prayer. Living in abundance. Winning souls. And making disciples for Jesus. We're starting to see an awakening in this church. But we need an awakening in this whole world. I started to wonder, you know, how will people get to the place where they will take the mark? People were so f- afraid of a virus that now we're finding out. See, it pays you not to live by fear. Fear fear is something that will cause you to be deceived constantly. And it says in the last times, the Bible teaches us, that in the last days, peace and safety will be preached. Well, if you've ever seen it, you've watched it these last six months. Safety, safety, safety. I was reading the company statement the other day. We just want our customers to be safe. And I was thinking, if that was actually the case, then you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. But then they'll say, well, you need to do this just to keep the peace. Peace and safety, you know, peace and safety. I wonder if the Pharisees thought that Jesus was peaceful. Right. You whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones, the blind leading the blind, and both of you fall into the pit. Yeah, he was real peaceful. I wonder if those money changers thought he was peaceful. But I can tell you this, he never sinned, he never sinned, and he was always humble. He operated in humility. Even when he flipped those tables, that was humility. Some people think that humility is hiding in a corner, just being quiet, peace. But it's a worldly peace, not a godly peace. You bring about godly peace by being humble to whatever God says. We need an awakening. We need a reverence of God. The Lord woke me up with that word independently. Uh, He showed vision, a vision to bear it. She saw the world being covered in a dark material as soon as it was completely covered in darkness. Jesus flipped what looked like a match and the world was set aflame with the fire of God. And then Jesus said these words It's time. It's time for an awakening, y'all. That's Southern for it's time for an awakening. It's time for an awakening. It's time for a whole culture to be changed. Why? Why is that good? Here's the reason why. Because we truly, contrary to what the media and so many organizations and groups out there say, God actually is a loving Father. And He has our best on His heart. And when we fall into his will, good things happen. Is that right? Is that right? Is that right? I'm, I'm three people I've seen just in the last few years where the goodness of God has poured out in their lives. When we start walking with God, good stuff happens. All of a sudden, i found when I go after God and my heart is awakened towards Him and I'm obedient to Him, it's like the blessings don't come every now and then. They start to pile up. They start to pile up. That's the way God is. He's a good God. And when we have an awakening, when we have an awakening, the people will be blessed. Everybody, it'll rain on the just and the unjust. See, if we start moving, just this church in an awakening, you'll be so blessed and the people around you will be blessed. Think about Joseph. He was in slavery and then in the prison in Egypt, and yet that place was blessed because Joseph was there. Because something, there was an awakening to a good father in his heart. And he was carrying a blessing on him. He was carrying an anointing. The goodness of God. The favor of God. And even while they were treating him wrong, they were blessed. What could happen in your job? Are you believing for it? Lord, let me walk. Let this company be blessed just because I come in. We used to do this all the time. We'd pray. We would literally believe, and we still do to this day, that when we walk into a restaurant, it gets blessed. We can walk in in the middle of the afternoon like 2.30. It's not lunchtime. It's not dinner time. And believe God that it would fill up. I remember one, this happened so many times. We have watched it time and time like there was two people in here when we got here. And now there's like 30 and there's people waiting in line. Why? Because you're there. Yeah. You're there. You're carrying the goodness of God. Yeah. You start to realize people want you there. Why? Because yeah. you're carrying an awakened uh, reality of God's blessing and goodness in your life. Amen. That's what you're called to do. Isaiah 60, as darkness and gross darkness covers the earth, arise, shine, for the glory of God has come on you. This is a promise for every person. God's such a good God. He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to take you up places that that people will sit there and say, even unbelievers will say, look how blessed God has blessed them. Look at how blessed they are. Look at the great things God has done for his people. Why? Why does God have this plan? Because it makes people that don't know God think, well, I want to be one of his peoples. (laughs) His peoples is good. Can I be one of his peoples? Yeah. Come on. Be one of his peoples. Well, how do I do it? Just receive them. Confess him as Savior and Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Make a choice to let him be the Lord of your life. I'll promise you this, he'll never tell you anything that'll lead you to a lesser spot. If he he asks something from you, it's always opportunity for increase. It might not look, look like it in the flesh, but you just wait and watch. It's like the, it's like the uh, meme that's going around, and there's the little girl, and she has her favorite uh, stuffed teddy bear, and, and she's holding on to it, and, and, and all of a sudden, and that teddy bear's like this, and Jesus' sitting there saying, "Yeah, can I have that?" And the little girl's thinking, "This is my favorite, but what you see is, as soon as she sews that into Jesus, he's already got one this big, and, he, and he's about to pour it out. Anything Jesus asks you for because of his great love towards you, it's always opportunity for increase. So it's time for an awakening, but how do we get into that awakening? See, we can sit there and listen, don't, don't fall into the rut that just because you've heard me preach for this is the ninth, uh, ninth message in this series, just because you've heard me preach on it that you're now awake. No. And awakening means you'd be so full of fruit, uh, we'd have to be talking about you. Right. So full of fruit, we'd have to be, and the, and the city'd be talking about you. And awakening, all of a sudden, it's different. You, you can't not recognize it. See, right now, they could say, well, I don't, I don't know. But here, why, why are we preaching this? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And you've now heard me preaching about an awakening and awakening and awakening. All of a sudden, something's, something's coming alive in your spirit. It's starting to bring faith for an awakening. But you're going to see something. In order to have an awakening, we got to do something about it. Yeah. There's got to be prayers. Yes. In James chapter 5, it says, if there's any sick, then he must pray. James chapter 5. He must pray. And then he says, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. In the Amplified, it says this. It says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. It makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Then it goes on to say, Elijah was a man like us, and it says he had like passions. In other words, he was a man. He had a flesh. And yet, when he prayed, rain stopped across the whole earth for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and rain started. One man, without Jesus, still under the curse, prayed from his righteousness, a heartfelt prayer and rain over the earth stopped. You have Jesus. We have Jesus. We have a good, loving, we're not under the curse anymore. What do we have available? And I got more than one righteous person in here. When you're born again, when you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he says, I'll give you my righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, what happens when we pray? See, the devil the devil has deceived us into thinking that we're not powerful. Yeah. He's got us to focus on everything but what God has really given us in our true identity yeah. a child of God, an heir to the kingdom powerful powerful yes. every single one of you sitting here that 's a believer everyone powerful second chronicles 714 and my people who are called by my name humble Amen. themselves and pray and what and, and pray, and pray, and pray. pray. Humble themselves, and pray. what is humility? Pray. Praying. Praying. That's why we meet. It's why we meet before church every Sunday morning. It's why we have a corporate prayer every weekday at 6 a.m. It's why we had a Friday night prayer the other night for six hours. Did it seem like six hours? It didn't. It went fast. It really went fast. Yeah. Even at the end of a long week and the end of a long day, it went fast. It was precious, powerful. And my people were called by my name when they humbled themselves and pray. He said, and turn from their wicked ways. You notice that he's still talking about his people. His people have every now and then they got some wicked ways mixed up in there. If they want to see the land, he says, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal heal their land. So we've got to turn from the things that are holding us back. But one of the things we've got to do is we've got to pray. It's time for an awakening today. We're talking about the prayers. I want to read you some excerpts of a book that was written called Prayer Storm by James Gall. I just want to read this to you. Just just hear this, just listen to it. Dr. A.T. Pearson once said, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. There's never been an awakening that didn't begin, not just with prayer, but united prayer. That's why we are praying. Let me recount what God has done through concerted, united, sustained prayer. Concerted prayer, united prayer, sustained prayer. Can we just meet one time and pray and expect an awakening? No, we need to be praying all the time. He says pray without ceasing. But not only do we need to pray in our individual lives, but we need to be praying corporately in our corporate lives. It needs to be a regular thing. We need to be praying together. Not many people realize that in the wake of the American Revolution, there was a moral slump. Crime, drunkenness, profanity rose to alarming levels. Churches stopped growing and began to shrink. That sounds familiar. Have you ever seen so many F-bombs and GDs and all this? I mean, it's everywhere on media. You can't even, you can't even turn on something anymore and, not, and protect your kids. Can't even turn on anything. Can't even turn it on anymore. There's so much garbage. Church has been shrinking for years, but not anymore. This one's growing. Yeah. Amen. Christians were so few on the campuses of Ivy League colleges in the 1790s that they met in secret. Think about that. They were so few of them, they met in secret. We kind of think that they've always been, like, really strong. But see, there's a moment where we have to recognize where we're at and realize we need an awakening. They met in secret like a communist cell. And they kept minutes in code so that no one would know. The Chief Justice of the United States, John Marshall, wrote to the Bishop of Virginia, James Madison, that the church, hear this, was too far gone ever to be redeemed. The Chief Justice wrote to the bishop, the church is too far gone to be redeemed. That's sad times. I can tell you as a pastor, about a year ago, I really started meditating on, Lord, I have no idea how to fix this. I'm seeing you've enlightened me to the problems that are in the American church. And y'all have heard me preaching about it. We've been, these things we've been preaching about for years now. Which is why we were ready. When a crisis came, you were ready because you've heard Proper biblical teaching on faith. What the church is. All of a sudden, you know, you were ready. I mean, when when the lockdown came, I looked in your eyes and I saw faith. Uh, Pastor, we're ready to have church. Church. Glory to God, because church is an assembly. Man, one of the best moments of a pastor that I've ever had is when everybody else was fleeing for peace and safety's sake. I saw faith. In the people of Boomerang. Oh, oh man. You talk about a good moment for a pastor. Oh, I was praising God. I was crying. It really blessed me. But that's not what's been normal. There's many churches even in this area. They're still closed. Still closed. He said the church's too far gone to ever be redeemed. Volterra averred, and Tom Paine echoed Christianity will be forgotten in 30 years. That's what they said in 1790. Christianity will be forgotten in 30 years. Let me tell you, there's always a remnant. There's always a remnant. <laughs> Elijah was sitting on a bank after he had just had the biggest victory thinking he was all alone. I'm it. I'm the only one left. But there's always a remnant in God. There's a a fire that's still burning. A coal that's hidden in people. There's There's a stump that looks like it's dead but out of it will shoot a spring. Life! I'm looking at some life this morning. Oh, glory to God. How did the situation change? It came through a concert. You want to guess? A prayer. In New England, there was a man of prayer named Isaac Bacchus, a Baptist pastor who, in 1794, when conditions were at their worst, addressed an urgent plea for prayer for revival to pastors of every Christian denomination in the United States. Churches knew that their backs were to the wall, so the Presbyterians of New York... And I want you to understand, our denominations today don't look like the denominations then. You know, I may say Presbyterian, and you may have different thoughts today than what they were then. We're talking about... Before some of these denominations got watered down, there was, I mean, they were not, maybe not where they needed to be, but they weren't as watered down as some of what we've seen today, okay? He says, he he put out, so the Presbyterians of New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania adopted it for all their churches. Bishop Francis Asbury adopted it for all the Methodists the Congregational and Baptist Associations, the Reformed and the Moravians all adopted the plan until America was interlaced with the network of prayer meetings, which set aside the first Monday of each month to pray. It was not long before the revival came. It broke out, first of all, in Connecticut, and then it spread to Massachusetts and all the seaboard states. In every case, entirely, without extravagance or outcry. In the summer of 1800, when it reached Kentucky, which was a lawless territory at the time, revival burst into wildfire. Great camp meetings were held and pastors of every denomination, denominational affiliation assisted when as many as 11,000 people came to one communion service. That would mean us saying, hey, we're going to have a communion service and all of a sudden we look out and there, this field is full. 11,000 to one service. What happened? They started praying. They took up their responsibility. They humbled themselves to God. They got got rid of any wickedness and they started to pray. They said, Lord, you're worth more than what I've been given. Now it's my responsibility as an ambassador of heaven to pray. And I'm going to pray. The second great awakening in New York. They knew they were in trouble. They needed something. Somebody called a prayer meeting. All of a sudden, the very first week, I think they flared all over New York, and they had their first prayer meeting that week. Guess how many people came? Six. Woo, we're rocking now. <laughs> Pray the next week they had not a thousand, not a hundred, fourteen. The next week they had twenty-three. See, it didn't just blast off. See, we not only need to pray, but we need some diligence. Yeah, amen. But look where it went from there. Till in a few weeks there was one rider who was able to visit 12 meetings in one hour. So a one-rider, there were so many prayer meetings happening. One rider, he rode to each one as fast as he could within an hour. He got to 12 different locations. They had a count. And in those 12 locations, they had over 6,100 people praying at the same time. United, concerted prayer. Then a landslide of prayer began, which overflowed to the churches in the evenings. People began to be converted, 10,000 a week in New York City alone. The movement spread throughout New England. The church bells bringing people to prayer at 8 in the morning, 12 noon, 6 in the evening. More than a million people were converted to God in one year out of a population of 30 million. More than a million. Then that same revival jumped the Atlantic and appeared in Scotland, in Wales, and then on to England and parts of Europe, South Africa, South India. Anywhere that there was an evangelical cause, it sent mission pioneers to many countries. Effects were felt for 40 years because of the beginning of six people praying. Six people said, Lord, we'll pray. Yeah. Having begun in a movement of prayer, it was sustained by a movement of prayer. Almost 50 years later, the world needed prayer again. Among the most notable Results of this prayer was the well-known Welsh revival of 1904. The movement went like a tidal wave over Wales. In five months, there were 100,000 people converted in that country. We're not talking about a big country. Listen to this. It was the social impact that was astounding. For example, judges were presented with white gloves, not a case to try. There were no robberies, no burglaries, no rapes, no murders, no embezzlements, nothing. As the revival, we're talking about changing culture. As the revival swept wells, drunkenness was cut in half. There was a wave of bankruptcies, but they were nearly all for the taverns. There was even a slowdown in the mines. You say, how could a religious revival cause a strike? It didn't cause a strike. Just a slowdown for so many Welsh coal miners were converted and stopped using bad language that the horses that dragged the trucks in the mine couldn't understand what was being said to them. (laughs) Hence, transportation slowed down for a while until they learned new language. Because all their commands were... Giddy up, you beepity beep. And they had to change that. And they said, giddy up horse. He's like, who's he talking to? I thought I was a beepity beep. When I first heard that story, I thought it was a tall tale, but I can document it, it says. That revival also affected sexual moral standards. The actual illegitimate birth rate had dropped 44% within a year of the beginning of the revival. The revival swept Britain. It swept Sweden, Finland, Denmark, Germany, Canada, from coast to coast, all the United States, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, East Africa, Central Africa, West Africa, also touching Brazil, Mexico, and Chile. Why? Because people were praying. What's involved in this? Start catching this right now. If we start praying, the same thing and more can happen. Yeah, right. And remember the prophecy, because the prophecy like that Smith Wigglesworth gave said, the world has never seen anything like it. This is, he had already seen this. What we're talking about is small beans compared to what's coming. This end time revival. But it's going to come when the church wakes up and it starts to pray. They start recognizing their need for prayer. They start recognizing their responsibility. They start recognizing what they need to do. What they need to be about. What is involved in this. As God requires us to pray, we must not forget what was said by Jonathan Edwards. To promote explicit agreement and visible union of God's people in extraordinary prayer. In other words, we must have extraordinary prayer that brings us into a heavenly unity. We must do it on purpose. What do we mean by extraordinary prayer? We share in ordinary prayer, in regular services. Before eating and the like. All right, now, when do we have prayer here? What has, l- let me put it this way. What has God directed us to do here at Boomerang? A house of love and prayer. prayer. What's He directed us to do? 6 a.m. prayer every morning, corporate prayer before the service each Sunday morning. What did we just finish on Friday night? From 6 p.m. to Midnight, praying this this past Friday night. What's he already told us to do with that prayer? Have it once a month. Have a prayer. Have a prayer night once a month. We'll figure out when and how and all that kind of stuff. And the Lord led that. That wasn't us just coming up with a good idea, and I hadn't even read this yet. But let me read this, what was written. Listen to this. What do we mean by extraordinary prayer? He said, we share an ordinary prayer in regular worship services, before eating and the like. But when people are found getting up at six in the morning to pray or having half a night of prayer until midnight or giving up their lunchtime to pray at a noonday prayer meeting, that is extraordinary prayer. It must be united and concerted. Is that what it says there? I didn't read this till after we'd made all those plans. You think that was just happened? Charles Finney. Charles Finney was a great revivalist. He said, here it is. I once knew a minister who had a revival, fourteen winners in succession. Fourteen. Winter's revival, revival, revival. I did not know how to account for it till I saw one of his members get up in a prayer meeting and make a confession. Brethren, he said, I have long been in the habit of praying every Saturday night till midnight, till after midnight, for the descent of the Holy Ghost upon us. And now, brethren, he began to weak. I confess that I've neglected it For two or three weeks, the secret was out. That minister had a praying church. See, it wasn't just the minister. The people had awoken to their responsibility of prayer. At 6 a.m. in the morning, at half a night of prayer till midnight. People saying, I got to pray for the service tomorrow. Without pastor calling them and saying, hey, will you please pray? i got to take up my responsibility as an ambassador. I am a child of the king. I'm here for a purpose, to draw heaven down on earth, and I'm going to play my part where I'm planted. And on Saturday nights, they're praying. They're lifting up. Lord, Holy Spirit, fall in this place tomorrow morning. The Hebrides revival, 1949. One night, God gave one of the sisters a vision in which she saw the churches crowded with young people and she told her sister, I believe revival is coming to the parish. At that time, there was not a single young person attending public worship, a fact which cannot be disputed. In other words, she's sitting there she says, I think there's going to be a revival in the youth. And anybody sitting next to her could have said, what, what youth? There ain't none. Sending for the minister, she told him her story, and he took her message as a word from God to his heart. Turning to her, he said, "'What do you think we should do?' "'What,' she said, "'give yourself to prayer.' Give yourself to waiting upon God. Get your elders and your deacons together and spend at least two nights a week waiting upon God in prayer. If you will do that at the end, at your end of the parish, my sister and I will do it at our end of the parish from 10 o'clock at night until two or three o'clock in the morning. So the minister called his leaders together and for several months they waited upon God in a barn among the straw. During this time they pled one promise for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground I will pour out my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring Isaiah 44:3 This went on for at least 3 months nothing happened But one night a young deacon rose and began reading from Psalm 24 who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in His holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully? He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. Psalm 24, 3-5. Closing his Bible, this young deacon said he addressed the minister and the other office bearers in words that sound crude in English, but not so crude in our Gaelic language. It seems to me so much humbug to be waiting as we are waiting, to be praying as we are praying when we ourselves are not rightly related to God. Then he lifted his hands toward heaven and prayed, Oh God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? Then he went to his knees and fell into a trance. Now don't ask me to explain the physical manifestations of this movement because I can't. But this I do know, that something happened in that barn at that moment, in that young deacon. There was a power loosed that shook the heavens, and an awareness of God gripped those that gathered together. Duncan Campbell. Prayers and a righteous life is not just for the preacher. It's for all of God's children. And if it's time for an awakening, then there's an awakening of prayer that's going to be in each one of our spirits. There's an awakening of righteousness and holy living that's going to awaken in each one of us. You've been primed, you've been prepped to receive the charge from heaven to step into the role of being the ambassador of Christ that each of us is called to be. You've been primed and you've been prepped for the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning and say, it's time to take up prayer. It's time to take up God's righteousness and walk in it. It's time to take up His responsibility and stop being held back by the limitations of the flesh. But go forward in the holy anointing of God Almighty, letting His fire burn and purify our hearts and get to the place where the Holy Spirit can float through a a whole town because of the heart change in a people. These past six months, there's been a besiegement against the church, a besiegement against the people of the world. I think it was even yesterday or the day before, the Supreme Court, somebody that, that should be conservative on the Supreme Court continues to vote for ungodly measures. Just in, literally, in the last couple of days. While the casinos are allowed to carry on business, they voted in the Supreme Court that the church in Nevada can't. It's a besiegement of the church. Some people have been saying it. Some people have been denying it. It's a besiegement. Why? Because the devil knows that the church is the linchpin. And if you take the power out of the assembled church, which is why he tried to get it not to assemble. This assembled church is what the gates of hell will not prevail against as you can see, the gates of hell were loosed as the church stopped its assembly. But not here, in Jesus' name. We didn't stop. And truly, we have seen no back down. We've seen only going forward. Multiplication, increased power of oh God in the lives of the people who are partners and members and attenders of Boomerang. Why? Because we have continued to do what God told us to do, and we haven't forsaken the assembly It's a besiegement. And not only that, just a few weeks ago you've heard me say it, a major broadcaster on a major network comes out and says in front of the whole world, we don't need help from above. An arrogant cry of an ungodly heart thinking that he was speaking for America. I'll tell you he's not speaking for me. And he's not speaking for you. I need help from above. Lord, I need you. Father, I want you. And we have you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. He's not speaking for me. But the arrogance. We don't need help from above. In 2 Kings chapter 19, there was a story about a besiegement against the people of God. And the messengers came and arrogantly threw their words at the people. And he didn't just speak to the leaders. He didn't just speak to the king. He spoke to all the people. And he started to try and get fear into the people. Do you think your king's going to protect you with his God? Look at all the other gods we have laid out. All the other cities we have crushed. This king, this evil king, Sennacherib, comes up. He starts hurling uh, this besieging words of fear, not just to the leaders, but to all the people. And he brought his ambushments and literally all of his war equipment and besieged the city. But that king was a man of God. King Hezekiah, the king of Judah. And he went. And he sought out the man of God, Isaiah. He went and he said, "What's going to happen?" And Isaiah sought the Lord, and the Lord said, "Don't worry." And then eventually he goes back. He gets a letter from that evil king again, and the evil king uh, sends him a letter. And he gets this letter that's that's bringing all of this this uh, fear, and it's bringing all of these accusations, and it's telling him what I'm going to do to you, and how it's going to end, and how little you're. God is and everything, and King Hezekiah walks into the temple with his letter in his hand. He comes up to the altar, and he lays it on the altar, and he hits his knees and basically says, God, you got mail. Here's what this king has said. And he started praying. And the word of the Lord came to him. He said, not one arrow will cross these walls. Not one arrow will cross these walls. Not one arrow. Matter of fact, they will go back the way that they came. And that king, in all his arrogance, he will die in his own country. And sure enough, that night, From prayer. Hear this. From the prayer of a godly man. A godly man hit his knees and said, Lord, I can't do this without you. Lord, we can't do this without you. A godly man started praying. He gave honor to God. You're my source. You're my life. You're the fullness of all of your people. Lord, we need you. We want you. He starts praying. That night, one angel sent from heaven. The army was 185,000 men. (sighs) Wiped out. One angel. All dead. The enemies of God and the enemies of his people. Because a king prayed. A godly king. One angel. I said it on prayer the other night. I know that God's got at least 12 legions of angels. Because Jesus said I could call for them at any moment. Don't you know, at any time, I could call for 12 legions of angels. A legion is 6,000 men. That tells me there's at least 12 times 6,000 angels. And if they all can wipe out 185,000 men in one night, what can happen if we pray? I'm not talking about wiping out the whole world. I'm talking about wiping out every devil that has besieged this land, that has besieged this country, that has tried to besiege Africa and Asia and Europe, every, every, and Antarctica and the Arctic and Australia and even Iceland and Greenland, in Jesus' name. There's an angels that can handle business if the church will awaken and start to pray. One hundred and eighty-five thousand. Last passage today, Ezekiel 37, verse 1. Then the hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel the prophet says. Now if you remember one of the prophecies that I read... was a prophecy by Tommy Hicks that spoke of a sleeping giant. And the sleeping giant was the church. And it was held down on the ground. And what was holding it down were all of these devils and demons, and it was holding it down. But when the church awoke, all of a sudden, this sleeping giant realized how powerful it was. And it also, the devils, not only did they realize it, but they saw it. The devils had nothing on the church. Yeah. They could do nothing if the church just decided to get up. Yes. Yeah. There was nothing they could do. The church, there's no power. They don't have any power. The sleeping giant of the church, and it brought in an awakening and a harvest Ezekiel 37, the prophet says this, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones. The American church has been a bag full of bones. Washed tombs full of dead men's bones. And we can deny it all we want to, but we'd be lying. Because if it was alive, alive things produce. And there's not been production. There's not been fruitfulness. There's been business and keeping the doors open. And the thievery of the money changers. But it's time for an awakening. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were many, very many, on the surface of the valley, and lo! They weren't just dry, they were very dry. I can tell you as a pastor, several years ago, the Lord got a hold of me, and he woke me up to some things. And I started to recognize, something's got to change. I started to realize that we play a part in that. It's not just, I mean, we're not the only ones that need to change, but we definitely are ones that need to change. I started to realize, man, this problem is rooted deep, deep, deep. And it's ugly. And the life is so uh, far away from where it has been. This is a great description. They were very dry. I realized, I finally came to realize as a pastor, I'm telling you my story right now. I finally came to realize it's going to take something big to turn this thing. And it's gonna take, and here's the thing. I think we're too far gone, just like they said about the church. I think we're too far gone. The only thing that can happen is if God puts His hand on the church again and He awakens some hearts. That's the only thing that's gonna turn it. That's the only thing that's gonna change it. That's the only thing. Lord, I don't know how you can do this without supernaturally bringing about a miracle from heaven, an awakening where I can't stop you from winning souls. I can't stop you from giving. I can't stop you. I mean, there's such an awakening for the things of God. I I can't even stop you from doing it. You're so hungry. I can't stop you from praying. I can't stop you from reading the Bible and worshiping. Such a move of God that a heart changes. It's time for an awakening. The bones have been very dry, and we need something supernatural. Verse 3 God said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Can it be turned? What's within your heart? You realize that the beginning of the turn happens in your own heart. Can these bones live? I love his answer Oh Lord God, you know. (laughs) Sometimes God will ask you stuff and you just don't need to answer. But all the time, I'll tell you this, we just need His answer. Mm -hmm. Verse 4, Again He said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you so that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you so that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Couldn't God have spoken that on his own? Why did he need Ezekiel to prophesy? Because nothing happens in the earth where God has given mankind authority without a man standing in the gap in his place because God made it that way. There's a prayer that came out of Ezekiel's mouth. Oh, dry bones, live. So I prophesied. As I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together. Bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them. And flesh grew. And skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Can you see the reforming of the church? Can you see... As we start to pray, all of a sudden, the pieces come back together. There was a disassembly, but now it's being assembled in the the way that God wants it. All of a sudden, the church will be what the church is called to be. It will start to recognize the command from heaven. It's, It's general saying, come together. And the church will start to get into its place. That's happening to you this morning. As I speak, I'm telling you, it's not just me speaking to you. It's like what Paul said. And they understood that when we spoke what God said, it wasn't just the preacher speaking, it was God saying it through them. God's talking to us this morning. Come together. But there was no breath in him. Verse 9 Then he said to me, Prophesy. To the breath. Prophesy to the breath, O son of man. And say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may come to life. These four winds represent the angels of heaven. The four winds represent the angels of heaven, the heavenly help that we have. In other words, he says, prophesy, prophesy to these four winds, prophesy that the breath may come and the angels of God, they come from heaven and they bring about the commands of God and bring his power and bring that life and they bring these things into being and they move when we speak what God says. When we start praying what God wants us to pray, all of a sudden angels. Move on. And just like King Hezekiah, where the Lord said, No, you won't have trouble with this King Sennacherib. No. And in one night, one angel wipes them all out. We need help from God. But in order to have help, we must pray what God wants us to pray. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came. And the breath came into them. And they came to life and stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. Glory to God. An exceedingly great army. They came to life. There's a life that's coming in the church even now as we speak. An awakening that's happening. Even just last night, I read a a letter that was written by John MacArthur from out in California, and he started quoting Scripture. One of the best things I've ever read since the lockdown began about why we need the church. There's a coming together, a life that's coming together in the church. And they came to life, and the breath came into them. And they came to life, and they stood on themselves. The giant waking up by God's word, an exceedingly great army. There's always a remnant. Yes. There's always yeah. a remnant. There's always a remnant, no matter how you feel or what you see. There's always a remnant of God's goodness. Yeah. There's a remnant of his life. There's a shoot of life in that stuff, yeah. no matter what it looks like. There's always a remnant. And I'm telling you right now inside of you today, there's a remnant inside your heart that's awakening to life of the things of God. Oh, Father, bring your breath. Breathe life into this church. Breathe life into this area. Breathe life into this county. Breathe life into its business. Breathe life into the government, Lord. Breathe life. And the breath comes. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel or of God's people. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore, prophesy, pray and say, pray and say. Say it with me, pray and say. Thus says the Lord God, behold, church, hear this, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. I'll bring you into the promise, into your solution, into your salvation, is what he's saying. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. When I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people, I will put my spirit yes. within you, and you will come to life! And I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. It's time for an awakening. It's time. But just like every other awakening, we must have the prayers. We must have The awakening in our heart. We must have the things of God moving in us and allow the things of God to move us to the places that we need. Not just to sit there and say, oh, that's a good message and I I feel you, Pastor Brian. No. Allow the breath to change us and to stand us on our feet that we can be the army that God's called us to be. Just close your eyes with me right now. Lord. Help us. Help us, Father. It's time for an awakening. Father, we need your help. To awaken us. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you'll draw on hearts. Draw us to the awakening and our responsibility to pray and to walk in holiness. Thank you, Lord. Just right now, just as we're sitting here, just let the Lord start to deal with your heart. Just say this, say, Jesus, I know you love me. And I ask you, you? show me what I need to be shown. shown. Help awaken my heart and mind. mind. Now just let them start to deal with your heart. Just ask, say, Lord, what what do I need to do? What do we need to do, Lord? Sometimes we just need to wait on the Lord. Thank you, Father. Diani Atalo Thank you, Father. This altar is open this morning. If you need to hit it, hit it. Don't wait on me. And don't wait on your neighbor. Lord, we need you. And it's time to wake up. Lord, we need your awakening. Lord, I need to pray like I've never prayed before. I need to study the word like I've never studied before. I need to worship you like I've never worshipped you before. Lord, I need your help. I need your help in life. I need your help in my family. I need your help in my business. I need your help in my marriage. I need your your help. Today as I come to the altar, as we come to the altar, Lord, we find help. In time of need. Just like your promise. Jesus, today I make a commitment to you. Today we make a commitment to you, Lord. Today things change. It'll never be the same. Let the Lord work in your heart. If you know right now. With every head bowed. And you know right now, I need a refreshing with my relationship with God. I need it today. Just raise your hand right now. Keep it up for a second so I can see it. I need a refreshing with God right now. Just keep holding them up for just a second. Amen. You can put them down. I just invite you, and people, not just those people... Uh, that raised their hand, but everybody, there's people that are still coming. But if that's you, if you just need a refreshing from God, there's something that happens when you step out. I just invite you, just come to the altar. Pray to a loving Father. And I promise you what you'll find is His love's waiting on you. Lord, I need it fresh today. I need that relationship. It's just like a branch on a tree. If it's been cut off, very quickly the leaves on that cut off branch start to dry and life fades. But if a branch will stay connected, all the nutrients will flow through it. And as you come forward to the altar, you're saying simply this, Father, today I'm connecting to that branch. Holy Spirit, thank you for your help. Lord, I just bind any spirit of fear that would hold people back from committing to you. You love them so much. You have so much waiting on them. You have an inheritance. Even if they grew up in a bad home or a poor home, Lord, you have an inheritance that changes everything. Your inheritance changes everything. And when they connect with you, all of that nourishment and inheritance flows. I tell you now, if you raised your hand earlier, come up now and just tell Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Help me. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for your help. Lord, awaken us. Thank you, Lord. Father, strengthen your people today. Strengthen them. Strengthen them. Give them strength to make the choices. Father, right now I just ask, like your word says, I pray the eyes of understanding are enlightened, that they'll see so clearly, we will see so clearly what is your will and what isn't your will. And Lord, let us be strengthened with all your might to make those choices and step out and do what we need to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. You know, there's some days where you, you just wrap up a service and you move on. And then there's days where you let God do a work. He's doing a work in hearts this morning. And the work that he's doing might not be you. The work that he's doing might not be you. But the day that it is you, won't you be glad that people around you believed with you and waited for you. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just wait on you. Renew our strength, Lord.